You are listening to the Grace Church Podcast. To learn more about grace, including our gathering times, visit us online at thegracechurch.net. Today's sermon comes from Pastor Tommy Jones. So we've been on this little series of Exodus for a while now, I guess a few weeks, and, and today we're sort of at this little like, um, I don't know, we're like on a two-part mini-series inside of a bigger series. We're on a little two-part series sort of about the law and how we interact with it, and I, I'm, I'm super stoked about this because uh, this is one of the parts of the Bible where I think we often don't really know what to do with it. But so, so what's happened, remember, is the Israelites were in captivity in Egypt. God has brought them out of captivity. Uh, Pharaoh chases them. God parts the sea. Y'all remember this? Uh, the, the Pharaoh runs out there with the Egyptians. God swallows them, proving he has power over the water. And then the people get out in the desert. They don't know what they're going to eat or drink, so they kind of freak out. And God provides for them. But he says, I'm going to provide for you in a way. So I'm going to provide for you daily, just a little bit at a time, so that each day you come back to me. And, and so God is providing for them in the wilderness. But it's this series of like, gripe, complain, God provides, they're restored. And over and over, the people are, are moving towards a promised land, but they're not in it yet. So they know where they're headed, and they're not there. And they know where they came from. And they're not there. So it's like they're living in this state of now but not yet. Any of y'all ever lived in a state like that? Like you're not really where you want to be, but you're not where you were. And so you're learning to live in this sort of middle land. Uh, And one of the, uh, the commentaries I read called it Wilderness University. They're in the wilderness learning to live in this new way. And so God has taken these people, and he's doing something really, really interesting with them. And, and today we're going to be in chapters 19 and 20. If you've got your Bible, please go ahead and open it up chapter 19. We'll get there in just a second. If you don't have a Bible, man, bring it next week. We can give you one, whatever. But like, <clears throat> what we're going to cover today is, I would say, some of the most famous stuff in the whole Bible. As a matter of fact, morality of nations is shaped around some of what we're going to cover today. Uh, the world has been affected by this in a thousand ways. It's, it's all this sorts of just important stuff. But my hope today is that we will learn to look at these laws in a new way. And so chapter 19, verse 5, and let, let's just kind of start there and let, let's see what's going on. It says, now then, this is God talking. Now then, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be my own possession among all the peoples. For all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Okay, so this is interesting. God comes to the Israelites, said, if you obey my covenant, and what he's talking about here is what he's about to talk about in chapter 20. He's setting up a, a, a list of rules, 10 rules. Anyone ever heard of them? They're called the 10 what? He's setting this up for us. And he says, if you will obey my pe- if you will obey this covenant, you will be my chosen people, and I will make you a holy and chosen nation, all this kind of stuff. And, and this is interesting. But what's more interesting to me than what the commandments say is the timing of when God gives them to them. We're now 19 chapters into this story. 19 chapters, and God's about to give them the law. 19 chapters of God protecting them. 19 chapters of God delivering them. 19 chapters of God providing for them. He provided manna and quail. 19 chapters of of God protecting them from their enemy, of building friendships. 19 chapters of God loving these people before he ever gave them a law. And so how beautiful is it that when this happens matters as much as what happens. 
perhaps keeping the law is not a prerequisite for being delivered by God. And we see this in this gorgeous and amazing way. He's protected, provided, and done all these things. Now he says, now that I have done these things, will you now live as my people? But he doesn't say, keep the law, and then I'll love you. Matter of fact, he doesn't say, keep the law, and then I'll deliver you. Otherwise, Moses would have gone to Egypt in chapter 1 and gone, hey, uh, listen, we're going to get out of here, and everyone who's willing to keep the Ten Commandments, come with me. Everyone who's not, you get in that line. We got two lines, a Ten Commandment keeping line, non-Ten Commandment keeping line, and you get over here and we're going to fill out a cell phone contract, which by the way, isn't it weird that it takes longer to buy a cell phone than it does to buy a car? I never have it like you, what in the world? It's insane, but that's, it's not important right now, but like, <laughs> it may be important for you at some point. And so like, it, it's, he doesn't do any of that. He simply says, hey, I'm going to set you free. Follow me. He delivers him. does all these amazing things. And then he goes, okay, now. Now, now, now. Now. I'm going to give you the law. It's fascinating to me. And let's look at Exodus 19.7. How do the people receive these terms? Exodus 19.7. So Moses came and called the elders of the people and set before them all these words which the Lord had commanded him. Then all the people answered together, I don't know how they, all at one time, and said, all that the Lord has spoken we will do. And Moses brought back the words of the people to the Lord. So God says, I'm going I'm to establish a covenant with you. There's going to be some rules, like you're going to do these things, and then you're going to be my people. And the people are like, that sounds great. Bring it. So they willfully enter into this covenant with God. There seems to be some understanding with these people that even though God has loved them and delivered them, there's going to be some expectations around how they're going to live. They don't seem like they're like, oh, there's a catch. They're like, thank you, God. Thank you so much that you're going to give us the law. And then it says, God says, all right, I want to speak directly to the people now, Moses, because God has been speaking to Moses. And then Moses goes to the people and God says, now I want to speak directly to the people. And I think this might be important for some of you. Uh, you're no longer in a world where you need Moses to hear from God. But some of us are still only doing it once a week on Sunday. <laughs> I just want to know. You can go directly to the big guy. You can cut out the middleman during the week, whatever. But like, so, so God would go to Moses. Moses would go to the people. God says, tell the people to consecrate themselves because now I'm going to talk directly to them. And he says, uh, consecrate yourself, meaning like, like wash your clothes, do what you need to do, like kind of take care of yourself, uh, cut out anything that's distracting, but prepare yourself for this meeting with God. And as I read that this week, my first thought would be like, man, what would happen in this service if we spent some portion of every week preparing ourselves for this time together? If we consecrated ourselves for this, like if I had some little time set apart of each day to pray for you and to pray that God would move in this room, and to pray that God would bring life out of me, and to worship, and to read, and, and, and to just live this life. And then when I got in this room, I'm just, man, I'm celebrating what's been happened all week. What would it look like in this room if we consecrated ourselves before we came into it? Would it look like this? Me thinks not. <laughs> it could be a lot of energy in this place. But God says, consecrate yourself. And he says, I'm, I'm going to come talk to you, but I'm going to do it on this mountain. But don't touch the mountain. Oh, he said, don't touch the mountain because my holiness will kill you. Amen. He's been just working with Moses and he's allowed Moses. And he's like, don't, don't touch the mountain. There's going to be rules around the way you engage me because you're on holy ground. He said, be careful. 
And so God's about to speak to the people. He's told them to consecrate themselves. But their attitude towards this is positive. Their attitude towards this is positive. Go read Psalm 119. Psalm 119 is the longest chapter of the whole Bible. It's all about God's law. It's, cha- it's verse after verse about how much we love the law of God. They're not upset that God is giving them rules. They see the rules as God being kind to them. They, they lived in a world where to figure out what one of the little lower G gods, what they wanted, you had to like sacrifice things and read the blood and figure out what the God wanted. You had to read tea leaves or stars. You had to do all these things to try to figure out what God wants. And now God has said, you're my people. He gave him his personal, he said, my name is Yahweh. And now I'm going to show you exactly how I want you to live. And they were like, wow, that's the most loving thing you could possibly do. But keeping the law wasn't a prerequisite for being loved by God. God delivers his people and then he protects them. And this is a loving thing to do, isn't it? Y'all, we have a, a school next to us. It's that direction, right? The, the middle. It's over there. I'm not very good at this, so sometimes I'm wrong. I point, but it's over, it's over yonder. And it's a, it's a school for 6th through 8th graders, right? And if, you, if you're from East End, when they first built this school, you saw it, and it was missing something that you probably thought it needed. What was it missing? A fence, right? And so you'd see the kids, and they were out on rec time or whatever, you know, yard time, and they're just... <laughs> They're walking around this circle, but they're looking at the road. Because <laughs> they know. They're like, there's, a, there's pizza over there. They're like, I know there's, there's pizza right there, man. There's coffee. There's, that coffee place has ice cream. And they're just, they're eyeballing the other side of the road, right? Because they're knowing that, that they do not want to, when there's no fence, kids want to roam free. And then eventually the district did something interesting. You know what they did? Put a fence up. And why did they put a fence up? Because they loved the children. The most loving thing you can do sometimes is put a fence around your children. You with me? That's not mean. I mean, not one of us said, the district is so judgmental. (laughs) Judgmental district. Doesn't trust my kid. No, because your kid was acting like Shawshank Redemption and looking for ways (laughs) to get out, you know trying to chisel through the wall and get across the road. That's not judgmental to put a fence up. It is the most loving, kind thing you can do to put parameters around your people. And what we are going to see today is the Ten Commandments is God's fence around his people so that they might flourish in this world. And they didn't keep the commandments to be loved by God. They kept the commandments because God loved them. And this, this is how we learn to look at the law of God in a new way. It's not restrictive. It's not cruel. It's incredibly kind. And so, Stephanie, if you would, we stand up and Stephanie, my friend, is going to read Exodus. Uh, She's going to start. It's Exodus chapter 20. If you got your Bible, she's going to start in verse 3 and read through verse 17. Go ahead, Stephanie. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol or any likeness of what is in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the water under the earth. You shall not worship them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children, on the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing loving kindness to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. 
You shall not take the, nor- the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not leave him unpunished who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male or your female servant, or your cattle or your sojourner who stays with you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord your God gives you. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor, you shall not covet your neighbor's house, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Thank you, ma'am. All right, so these laws, these rules... This is the fence God has placed around his people to keep them safe. And I, I kind of I, I laugh when I read that last, like, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife or the donkey. I mean, you think there was conversations where a guy was looking across the street and the dude was like, don't covet my wife. And he was like, I'm not, I'm looking at your donkey. Don't covet my donkey either. <laughs> like, that, I guess that's how that one, I'm not looking at your wife, I'm looking at your donkey. I don't know, but like. So there's all these different laws, right? And by the way, this is just the beginning. Because next week, there's 613 more of these bad boys, so stay tuned. Yeah. And next, it gets a little weird next week. I'm not even going to lie. If you've never read Leviticus, stay tuned. Um, but there's, there's ceremonial laws, which are like, remember, God is he's raising up a new people in a new world. And he's showing them how to live. And so there's ceremonial laws, which is how to carry out their traditions and how to do different things. And, and Jesus Christ fulfills all those laws in this amazing way. And then there's, uh, there, there's um, civil laws, which is basically like, here's how you're going to build your government. Because you're going to need some system of, of understanding. And so there's civil laws. And then there's the moral laws. And the moral laws are, are many of which we would say, okay, that probably still, like, do not murder still makes sense to us today, doesn't it? If you're here today and that doesn't make sense, I need you to exit quietly <laughs> and calmly. Like, do not mind. I, th- I think we get these, right? Like, do not murder. I think we understand these. But I think if you want to look at these Ten Commandments and break them down into two buckets, I think the buckets are real simple, and this is how I think we should think about them. There's two buckets we can break all Ten Commandments down into. And the first one is this, how to love God. And the second one, can anyone guess? How to love others. Matter of fact, I think Jesus said this wonderfully in Matthew chapter 22. Um, he, he says, And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him, talking about Jesus, asked Jesus a question, testing him. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. That's the greatest and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Upon these two commandments hang the whole of the law and the prophets. And so as we, as we look at these Ten Commandments, we don't think of them as restrictions that are, you know, they're stealing my fun or judgmental. We think of ten rules that God has laid out to protect his people because they are his people. And we look at them through the lens of, of how to love God because God wants us to love him, but God wants to be loved in the way he wants to be loved. Any of y'all ever read the book, The Five Love Languages? 
Like what we tend to do is we love people in the way they, you know, that I want to be. I love you the way I want to be loved. And what I should do is love you the way you want to be loved. And so God says, this is how I want to be loved. He says, don't have any idols. Like make me first. And idols can be beautiful things. Idols can be anything. Not all idols are golden calves, right? That would be super obvious. Idols can be anything. But God says, if you want to be in relation with me, love me above everything else. Make me first in your life. Run everything through me. Like make me the focus of everything you do. He says, this is what it means to love me. Have no other gods before me. And then, and then he says, and don't use my name in vain. Right? Don't, don't take my name in vain. And I was raised reading that, believing that all I had to do was not cuss and insert God's name. Matter of fact, I went to a Lutheran school before they threw me out for absolutely no reason based on fictitious information. <laughs> Still mad. You haven't repented. But so, so like, so here's, so not taking the Lord's name in vain, we had to memorize all these things, the Ten Commandments when I was little, and basically it was don't curse and use the name of God. But the more I've studied this, the more I, that's not what it is. Yeah, you shouldn't do that. But what does it mean if someone dies in vain? What's that mean? It means there was no reason. What is it? If someone gave their life in vain, it means there was no reason. So I think what this is saying is don't wear the name of God for no reason. Don't wear the name of God and not act like you believe in God. Don't wear the name Christian and look nothing like Christ in the world. Don't wear the name Christian and hate people. As a matter of fact, we're entering a political season. Y'all may not be aware of this. I'm going to say it every week until we get it right. Don't wear the name Christian and bash people on Facebook because they don't believe what you believe. Don't wear the name and then act like you don't know him. Don't wear the name Christ in vain. If you're going to wear the name Christ, if you're going to wear the name Christian, live as though he is your master. And we're not going to be perfect. But I'm not perfect is not a reason to live a life of chosen imperfection. Right? If I'm going to wear the name, live it. And part of wearing the name, and this is what the Ten Commandments says, part of loving God is learning how to love people. And as you learn how to love people, you learn, you know, don't be jealous of your neighbor. Be happy for them. Matter of fact, Jesus comes later and clarifies these Ten Commandments. He says, don't murder. Psh, don't even hate anybody. Don't even hate people who don't believe like you. He's like, don't, don't commit adultery. No, don't even lust to the point where you lose your mind and lose your way of life. He says, don't, don't love the things of this world. Like he completely revitalizes and revamps all these and says, if you want to wear my name, live a life where you look like me in the world by loving people, even those who don't look like me. So th this is the Ten Commandments. Love God and love people. And I really would encourage you guys to, to read Matthew 5 through 7 and just sit in what Jesus says about these things, about how we are to learn to live in this world. And I can't wait till we get to Romans. So that we're, we're gonna, after Easter, we're going to do a series on Romans, and I can't wait. Because what Paul is going to come later to us and say is, guys, none of us could do this right. Like, none of us could live this perfectly. But the only way we could stand in the presence of a holy God was to perfectly keep the commandments was to live a righteous life. And so one came who did do it perfectly, and he was Jesus the Christ, and he was a prototypical perfect human in that he kept everything perfectly, knowing that we would fail, 
But again, knowing that you'll fail is not an excuse to purposely keep failing. Like we're to turn from the life we've chosen and live a life inside of God's protection. And the rules that God places around our life, they are not rules to steal your fun. They're rules to protect your joy and to protect your heart. And we're not under the law anymore. Christ set us free from that. But there are still rules in how Christ wants us to live in this world. There's still, still rules. There's rules in what we're teaching our children about people of other cultures. There's rules in how we talk about people. There's rules in how we love people. There's rules in how we honor God. There's rules in how we enter into his presence. Like, God still has a fence around us. You know why? Because it's weird to not put a fence around your children. And if you've got children with no rules around them, ah! Like you're raising the worst human ever. And it's, it's not like we could keep all the rules because we're inherently broken, guys. It's not just a matter of me keeping all the rules. I can't do that because there is something broken in my nature. You know how I know there's something broken around me? Put a fence around me. You know what I'll do? Start looking for a way over it. Right? Matter of fact, I, I remember... Ah, yeah, that's fine. I remember, in, I remember in high school, me and some of my friends went to talk to this uh, pastor about a certain area of our lives where we were trying to see how far we could go. I'm not going to get into it too much. Some kids in the room talking about sex. <laughs> Thank you all read me, right? Talking about how far we go in some area of our life. And so, and, and I remember going to this pastor and asking him these questions. And you know all the questions I was at, you know the heart of the questions was, how close can I get to the fence? It wasn't how holy can I be. It was how close can I get on top of the fence and just kind of look around a little bit. <laughs> right? Can I, I mean, what, what am I allowed to do here? How close can I get to the fence without actually breaking a rule? When what we should be asking is, God, thank you so much that you put boundaries around me because you're trying to protect me. But what we want to do is get as close as we can. And God's like, no, 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 you don't understand. You don't understand. I'm rescuing you from yourself. I'm rescuing you from yourself. And so we don't begin to see. Y'all remember when I was a kid, I thought my parents' rules were so stupid. <laughs> did, you, did you think your parents were, these are ridiculous. I got to be home at this. I can't do this. It's like the older I get, the smarter my parents are. Because the more I see their rules weren't about destroying me. Their rules were there to protect me. And I think the more we mature in Christ, the more we grow up in God, the more we begin to understand that what he's asking us to do with our lives, what he's saying no to, isn't there to destroy us. It's there because he loves us. And this is what mature faith looks like. Mature faith looks like I hold my tongue and God tells me to. Mature faith looks like I don't see how close I can get to the fence. I stay as far away from the fence as I can because I trust God. Right? This is mature faith. The fence makes us look different in the world. The fence separates God's people from the rest of the world. And so as you study the law over the next two weeks, I don't want you to see a bunch of restrictive rules. Although it is next week we're going to see don't boil a baby goat in its mother's milk. And we're going to be like, what in the world do we do with that? But my prayer is that we don't see these things as an angry God prohibiting fun from his people. But we see them as a loving father protecting his sons and daughters. The fence is there for your good. 
wear the name of Christ well. Amen. If you are encouraged by today's message, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you stream your podcasts. To experience other talks, videos, and live gatherings, visit us online at thegracechurch.net. And again, thanks for listening to the Grace Church Podcast.